Chris and I spent some time in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago um, attending a national summit for our, our movement. I haven't been to Melbourne for a long time. I don't think anyone's been to Melbourne for a long time. <laughs> couldn't get in, couldn't get out. So we spent some time there. It was actually really nice. And one of the things that, um, that amazed me was uh, I was talking to someone and they said that only 30% of the office workers are actually back working in offices and the other 70% are um, still working from home, which actually made the Melbourne CBD quite bearable, to be honest. It's quite good, loved it. And anyway, I was heading down in the elevator one morning, um, we were on the 45th floor, and you know, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of the person, I was like, oh yeah, I'll get in, and you know, then it stops on the next floor, and you're like, how many, you know, it takes about 30 seconds out of your life, how many times is it going to stop? Anyway, on the 44th floor, this, this man got in, and... Um, I don't know what you're like in elevators, but um, confined spaces can be awkward. You know, people um, have an unnatural interest in watching the floors descend. It's like anything to not engage in conversation. Some people become really, really interested in their shoes. And um, anyway, um, I, I've always seen these moments as opportunities. And um, yes introverts in the room. I just, I heard you sigh. You know, you just want to get in the lift and get to the bottom and not have to interact with anyone, but I am that person. If you are in the lift with me, we are going to engage. And um, back to the elevator. I said to the man, I've learned over the years, okay, I've learned over the years saying, how are you? Don't do it unless you are actually interested in the answer. Okay, just don't be polite and say, how are you? Because people will just say good and it's not really how they're feeling. So I try and ask or make a conversation that goes somewhere. So I said, we made it through to Friday. And I could tell he was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> anyway, he said, yes, yes, it's good to make it through to Friday. And I said, how was your week? And Anyway, he said, well, you know, I've had one of those weeks where I've done a lot of work, but I felt like I haven't achieved very much because I've just realized that next week I'm probably going to have to redo 90% of the work that I had already done this week. And I said, oh, wow. He said, oh, so, you know, so I picked up. He was a little disheartened, needed a little bit of, you know, he's a little bit frustrated. He felt like he hadn't achieved very much in the week. And so I just took the opportunity to encourage him and just, you know, we had a bit of a conversation. And I said, well, at least, you know, next week won't be as tough as this week because you've already done all the work that you need to do next week. So next week should be pretty cruisy. And he had a bit of a laugh to himself and, and he got out of the lift and... I wished him a good weekend and he went on his way. And why did I tell you that story? Because I felt like I, he left me better than he found me. He left the elevator better than he got in. From a simple conversation with a random extrovert stranger who was determined to engage him. So I got out of the lift and I headed to a cafe that we found because one of the first things that I do whenever in a, we're in a new place is find out where the good coffee is, Right? And the only way to find out where the good coffee is, is to engage strangers and ask them. So the first day we were there, we had engaged someone in the, in the lobby and said, we're looking for somewhere for good coffee. And he was like, just go straight out that door and turn right and you have the best coffee for blocks, which was true. So I went to this cafe um, and it was my fourth visit. We were there for like three days, three days. So my fourth visit to that particular cafe, because if you're on a good thing, stick to it, right? And um, our first visit to the cafe, 
the waitress, she was very professional, as they tend to be, and, and friendly in the way that good wait staff are, you know, she was friendly, professional, and it's, it was, a, you know, Melbourne's a big city, and this was in the CBD, and it was at the bottom of a very large bank office building, and also a very large hotel, and so she was, yeah, she was good, she was friendly, she was professional, she was a little distant, and I thought, another opportunity. I like opportunities. And so, can I just say at this point, when I observe Christians treating wait staff or retail staff poorly or with disinterest, it kind of amazes me because I, I don't understand how you would overlook the opportunity that you have to engage someone and leave them better. Just That's just a little aside there. Anyway, back to Kate. Kate was the waitress. Yes, I know her name. Um, I was determined to not only engage her, but maybe make her day a little bit brighter. You know, wait staff, if you've ever been in hospitality, it can be a mixed bag when, with people, you know, a mixed bag. Um, so when we, when we, the first day we were there, we sort of asked her advice on what to get on the menu. That's a hint for people. If you go to a cafe, generally the staff know what is good and what is not. And, you know, we asked her advice on what we should eat and engaged her every time she attended to the table. She was polite, a little bit distant, friendly, but reserved. Fair enough. We were there. And, um, she, she ended up coming into conversation with us because I guess we were pretty relentless, and I did order about four bowls of fish bites, which she found quite amusing, because um, I was quite hungry. And when she said, she said, where are you guys from? Obviously, we did not look like Mel Melburnians, and we were probably not behaving like them. And we said we were from Queensland, and she made some disparaging remark about politics up this way, <laughs> which wasn't a great conversation starter. Um, now, I wasn't sure whether we'd encounter her again, because at that point, I didn't know how good their coffee was. So when I was leaving, I thanked her for her recommendations, made a point, you know, thanks so much for recommending it. The, the fish bites were delicious. She said, obviously, you had like three bowls of them. I was like, yes, I was hungry. And um, thanked her and then wished her a good day. And the next morning, I was back, because it was really good coffee. And someone had told me they had really good breakfast. And so I went back. She did not remember me. How? How? She did not remember me at first, or she was pretending not to remember me. But I was undeterred, because it takes a lot to deter me. And so I was like, hi, how are you going? And she, she was like, good. And I engaged her again, and she said, wait, you were here yesterday. Fish bites. That's me. Fish bites. I said, Sue, but fish bites is okay. And so she remembered me. And then twice more I found myself there and twice more I engaged her, asked her name, thanked her, chatted with her. She told us about great places to eat. She actually hung around our table quite a bit. Um, she asked why we were in Melbourne and we got to, to share with her why we were there and we waited for the usual pause and shock when people find out that pastors slash Christians are um, actually quite normal and friendly people. And, um, and she, because we'd been friendly and engaging, because we'd been, I would, I would hesitate to say normal, engaging, encouraging, she seemed very interested in, in what we did and why we did it. 
And on my last visit, I was uh, meeting a friend and I chatted with her and thanked her and said we were leaving early the next morning. And you've got to understand, this girl went from being professional and kind of reserved, a little bit distant, she threw her arms around me, gave me a hug and wished me well. She seemed happier than when I first encountered her by far, more open, more encouraged. And I'd probably like to think I left her better than I found her. Now, why am I saying this? And why is this important? I think it's important because I think that's what love does. You know, love engages people. I feel like, you know, we sang about this morning, God seeing us right where we are. And he doesn't just see us where we are. He, he draws us upward. You know, the Bible says the path of the righteous winds upward. He leaves us always when we encounter God. He leaves us better than we were when we engage him. If we come with no hope, he breathes hope into us. If we come disheartened, he lifts our heart. If we come feeling sick, he makes us feel well. If we come feeling like we've disappointed him, we leave feeling encouraged. I feel like that is what we're meant to do. Matthew 22, 36 to 40 says this, when teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied to him, one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. I was a bit challenged by that. Unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. Now, I know I do that for people that I'm fond of. That's quite easy, isn't it? People that you like. Let's be honest here, people. People that you like, you're quite happy to invest time in. You're quite happy to invest encouragement in because generally you get it back because they're people that you like, people that you're fond of, people that you want to spend time with. But as I observe the life of Jesus, the one I say I base my life on, the one I say I wish to reflect in my everyday life and I sincerely want to try to, I see him encountering person after person, good and not so good, engaged, distant, believers, non-believers, close and complete strangers. And the result of his interaction is always the same. He leaves people better than he found them. He goes out of his way to engage those around him. And what I notice is he goes out of his way to encourage and engage those that others often overlook. Others would walk past. Others would say, don't spend your time there. The closest to him. Don't waste your time on the children. She's just a, she's, and she's just a Samaritan woman. And, and, and he's just a tax collector. And why would you? Why would you? Because it's important. Because it's so, so very important. John 13, 34 to 35 says, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, this is the kicker, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern 
for one another. Sometimes I think as Christians we can get this a little bit back the front. Sometimes I think as Christians we think, well, if I know the Bible, and that's important, if I pray, and that's important, if I'm a good person, that's important too. They're all important. But what's really important is the way that we treat other people, that we have love and unselfish concern. And he actually goes as far as to say, that way people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love and unselfish concern for other people. Again, other people not just being defined by the people that we like, but for other people. And so often I can complicate sharing my faith. Maybe it's just about me this morning, but sometimes I feel like I complicate sharing my faith because I think if I can't have a decent conversation, it's not worth having. If I can't find an opportunity to bring up the fact that I'm a Christian, then it's not worth doing. Um, If I can't kind of whack a bit of scripture in there, then I'm not really being a disciple, being obviously a disciple of Jesus. But I want to say to you, I don't think that's the case. It's by our love and our unselfish concern for others that they will know, they being those who don't already know, that we are followers of Jesus. To bring light and life to my neighbour is my mission in life. To endeavour to leave people better than I found them. And I notice if I concentrate on what God has done in me, and let it filter through to how I treat others, then it has far more impact. Now, Kate, let's go back to Kate, the waitress. I didn't give her a card and say, you should visit this church. I did get the opportunity to tell her that we, that we were Christians and, in fact, pastors. And she, again, seemed to seem, be quite surprised that we, that we were normal. But I feel like we planted this little seed in her that said, you know, maybe I have misjudged what the media has presented about the church because these people actually seem quite nice. You know, when I first encountered the church, I was not raised in a Christian family. When I first encountered the church and her people, it was never about doctrine. I didn't even know what doctrine was. Still not quite sure I know what it is. It wasn't about spiritual truths. It wasn't because I was scared of going to hell. I didn't have the hell scared out of me. What impacted me when I first encountered the church and her people was the people. The people. I could not tell you what the minister spoke about. I have no idea. I know he was old. But I can't remember, not, not old like us, way, way older. Um, I have no idea what that message was about. No idea. I don't know what songs we sang. Sorry, creative team. I don't know what songs we sang. Obviously, weren't as good as today. Um, but what impacted me was the people, the way they spoke, the way they lived, the acceptance and grace they extended to me every time I saw them, and the love that I found from people that were strangers the week before. That's what impacted me about the church. That's what positioned me to find out more. That's what positioned me to come back because I found something that was quite extraordinary. 
And this is not a complex message today, but rather just an encouragement to return to the basics. You know, I wrote this message very early in the week, and across across the week, some really awful things have happened across the world. And I, I looked back at this message and I was like, I don't know if this is the message for today. And then I thought, you know what? This message is all about placing value on humankind. Taking the time to place value on people. Taking the time to encourage people, to love people, to, to be the sort of person that is known, not because I know my Bible, not because I call myself a Christian, but because I take the time to unselfishly love and consider others. And I thought, you know what? The world would be a better place if each one of us left today and decided to take this up and decided to place value on every human being that we came across at every point in our week, not to try and slip a scripture. And if you get that opportunity, fantastic. But to just be hope, light and salt in a world that so desperately, desperately needs it. So perhaps it begins with a simple determination to leave people better than we found them, to love them regardless, because that's what I found. That's what I found. There were heaps of things. I'd love to say that when I first encountered the church, I had this radical transformation and I became a brand new person overnight. That was not my story. That's Chris's story and it's amazing. But my story was not that. My story was turn up, love it, disappear, back to my old lifestyle, turn up, love it, disappear, (laughs) back to my old lifestyle. But every time I came, people unselfishly saw me, extended grace, encouraged me. I never felt judgment. I just felt grace and love. And it propelled me to make a decision to change my life. So I want to look at some things this morning, a few ways to do that using what we see in Jesus as an example. So how do we do that? How do we leave people better than we found them in every circumstance? Well, the first thing I think is this. We've got to see people. We've got to see them. Jesus saw people. He really saw them. He took the time to see them. That's what I think introverts have an advantage because extroverts are so busy talking sometimes that they don't see So the introverts in the room, this is for you, because you tend to stand back and see. And the extroverts, you need to maybe stand back and see sometimes. He saw people that others would overlook. He saw the widow, the orphan, the outcast, the children, the leper, the marginalized. He saw those that fade into the background, and he engaged them because he saw them. And I think in the busyness of life, we can overlook that. I'm just getting my petrol. I'm just getting my takeaway coffee. I'm just running into the shop to get my groceries. You can do all of that and still see people. You can do all of that and still leave the the girl on the checkout at Woolies or Coles or Aldi or wherever you are. You can still leave them better than what you found them in the busyness of life, if you are just determined to see the people around you. Is that easy? Yes. Second one is a really hard one. Smile. I've got to say, this is one of my pet peeves. 
with the church sometimes. It's like I have had this radical, life-changing experience so many years ago now that propels me out of bed every day because I know that I have purpose in life and I have the length of my days to fulfil it and, and, and I, it's just exciting to me. Life is exciting because every day is a bonus to me because the opposite to waking up every morning is not so inspiring to me. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, yes, another day. And when I see people who say they have this life-transforming encounter with Jesus, yet it hasn't made it to their face yet, I kind of get a bit confused. Smiling is really powerful. Smiling is contagious. Did you know that? If I smiled at you now, you'd all smile back. Look at that. It activates the region in our brains that makes it impossible, it makes it impossible for us not to mimic. So if someone smiles at you and you wonder why you're smiling back, unless you're really cranky pants, but it makes it impossible for the other person not to mimic because it activates a part in their brain. Smiling improves your mood. Oh my gosh. By releasing endorphins and lowers your heart rate. How about that? It's pretty powerful. When you smile, you literally improve not only your own health, which is a bonus, but when they smile back, you improve theirs as well. How about that? Bringing healing with your smile. Research has shown that smiling also leads others to view, view you as empathetic and trustworthy. You want to start a conversation with someone? You want to encourage someone? You want to leave someone better than you found them without saying a word? Turn your frown upside down, people, and bring a little bit of joy into people's lives. It's pretty simple, huh? Pretty simple. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with this. This next one is for the, introver uh, for the extroverts. Listen. Be both interested and interesting. God gave us two ears and one mouth in proportion for a reason. Meet people's eyes and match their moods. There is nothing worse than if you see someone depressed. I can tell you this as an introvert, as an extrovert, and you go in and try and lift their, their countenance from negative 74 to positive 350 with one word. It's awful. So you meet people's eyes and then you meet their mood. The Bible actually says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So we're not going around being the fun factory we're just actually seeing people, smiling at them, listening to them, like I listened to the man on the left, staying present, ask questions, be willing to linger. I mean, if that man in the lift was on for a chat, I was willing to go as many floors as it took. It was only 44 as it turned out, but be willing to linger, be willing to stay present. You don't have to problem solve. Sometimes I think we are reluctant to ask because what if they ask us something we can't answer? It's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to go, wow, I, you know, I really feel for you. I don't have the answers, but I'm happy, at some, I'm happy to pray for you if, if that would help. I've never, ever offered to pray for someone and had them go, no, please don't pray for me. They're always like, oh, that would be awesome. Now, they don't mean whack your hand on them in the middle of the supermarket and start shouting out in tongues. That is not what I'm saying. 
It's like, I'm, I'm happy to pray for you. And you can say, I'm, I, I'm happy to do it for you right now or I can just do it afterwards if you'd like. Most people I've ever offered that to are very happy for me to actually stand with them as long as I'm not making a spectacle and pray for them right where they are because they need the hope that I am bringing into their life. Is that good? Are you good? Sorry, I'm very practical today. Help. Help them. Don't just go, wow, that sucks. Sucks to be you. Glad my life isn't like that. And again, it might be just simply offering to pray. Could just be an encouraging word like my man in the lift where it was just like, wow, sounds like a frustrating week. But hey, if you look at it this way, you've already done all the work. And so when you repeat it next week, you'll be so far ahead of where you were before you started. Maybe just a different perspective. Be a reflector of Jesus. You know, sometimes we complicate this. But what has Jesus done in your life? Can you reflect that? Has Jesus brought joy? Reflect it. Has he brought healing? Reflect it. Has he brought grace? Reflect it. Has he brought faith? Reflect it. Perseverance? Reflect it. It's pretty simple, really. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. And sometimes I think that being kind, grace-filled, accepting, loving and understanding is way more powerful than any sermon we could ever preach, any podcast we could ever recommend, any scripture we could ever give because we are actually the living embodiment of Jesus in that circumstance or situation. You know what? You, you may never see the person again. I'll probably never see Kate again. She was very sweet. But I'll probably never see her again. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I, she remembers my kindness she remembers my encouragement. I might just have been one bright person in a sea of business people who were disinterested in her, but she will remember it. And sometimes we can feel a little bit like if we don't see the end result, it's not worth beginning. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, if I don't get to revisit it, if I don't get to invite them to church, if I don't get... All of those things are great, but let's just sow some seed. Kindness, grace, love, forgiveness, encouragement. Let's just sow some seed because sometimes we can feel like it's all up to us. But it isn't. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7 and 9 says, this means one person who plants is not anybody special. Sorry about that. <laughs> Nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his work because we are co-workers with God. Maybe you just get to be the one that waters. Maybe you're just the person that drops a little bit of seed into a pot for someone like I felt like we did with our waitress friend. Maybe you just come along and add a little bit of water to something that has already been planted. But let's be part of the process. You know, the sower scatters, when I see that scripture about the sower, he scatters much seed, you know, and, and we look at it and some goes on the, on the path where it's not going to take root and some goes where the thorns are going to eat it up, and, but some goes into good soil. The thing that I see that the sower does is he actually sows, and we have seed. We have seed. We have faith. We have hope. We have life. We have all the things that this society and community is in desperate need of at the moment. And it's not, 
It's not about seeing it germinate and come to fruition. It's just about being part of the process. So as we go about our week this week, how about we determine to leave people better than we found them? Everyone we encounter. Now, can I tell you, some people are grumpy. That's okay. That's not my response. It's not my responsibility. My response is my responsibility. My response. So if you encounter a grumpy one, that's okay. If you encounter a rude one, that's okay. I find they are very few. And I want to leave us with this quote. I think this is beautiful. This is, Levi said he would be happy because the person who actually quoted this is unknown. So Levi is happy if we put Levi Mulhair there and he will be responsible for this quote. But let's, let's leave with this in mind. Always try to leave people better than you found them. Hug the hurt, kiss the broken, befriend the lost, love the lonely. I think that's what Jesus did. And I think that's what Jesus would have us do wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves. Amen? Is that simple? It's pretty simple. Are you encouraged? Please be encouraged. I feel like our coffee shops and our Woolies and our Coles this week are going to be different places. They're going to be different places because people are going to be smiling. People are going to be encouraged. People are going to be receiving grace. People are going to be just engaged in a somewhat perhaps dreary or difficult week because you never know where people are at until you encounter them. So let's go out determined to see them. Let's go out determined to smile. Let's go out determined to listen. Let's go out determined just to have a go, even with the annoying ones, okay? Even with the annoying ones. Can I pray for you this morning? Why don't we stand to our feet? Lord, I just thank you this morning that being your disciple is not difficult. I thank you this week that as we go out, we would be determined to be reflectors of you. That as we go out, we would unconditionally engage and love and encourage and pour grace on everyone that we encounter. Because it's our responsibility. And because by that, people will know without us saying anything else that we are your disciples. I pray this week that the joy of what you have done in each and every one of our lives would make it to our face. I pray that we would just have a determination to see those who are marginalised, who are not seen, those in our world that we could really impact just by taking the time. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in each and every one of our lives. And I thank you that we would just determine this week to be a reflector of that to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before we go this morning, you know, I don't know everyone in the room and maybe this is your first time here today. Maybe you're like I was that many years ago and I pray your experience has been what my experience has been, where I found grace and hope and purpose and love in amongst the people of God. I pray that's your experience. But, you know, I had to come to a point where I actually decided not to just receive that but to take action and to become a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And that was very simple to do. It was just simply praying a prayer and saying, you know, Jesus, just come into my life. Change me from the inside out and help me to be what I've already experienced to the others that I come in contact with. Changed my life. 